You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Two to Walker. High fly ball driven deep the other way. Gentry back. He looks up. It's gone. Jordan Walker muscles went out the other way. His 17th home run of the year doubles the Cardinals' lead. As the pitch to Walker is scored. City center field. Back is Kersey. He jumps and it's gone. Jordan clears the wall. Home run number 18 to straightaway center for Jordan Walker. Swing and a high drive. Deep left field. Walker way back, way back. And it is gone. A home run. And it is home run number 19 for Jordan Walker. RBI 66, 67, and 68. And he has also scored now his 100th run, which leads the Texas League. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and we are geeked for the Arizona Fall League season. The rosters are out, so we are especially excited. We were thinking we might have the rosters for last week's podcast. We were all ready to talk about them then, and then we got them maybe a day after the podcast, maybe a couple days after the podcast. We got them now, and uh, we're going to go over those in detail. This is one of our favorite events. I don't know if you can call it an event. Is it an event? Is the Arizona Fall League an event? Sure. I usually say that it's it's one of my favorite. I, I, I refer to it as one of my favorite events on the on the baseball calendar. So, yeah, I think it's fair. College World Series, Arizona Fall League, or your exactly one two. And now, sadly, because of the timing of the draft and the combine, it's very hard to go to the College World Series. Yeah, let's let's not talk about the timing. Let's not talk about the things we can't do. We're here to talk about things we're about to do. Let's talk about the Arizona Fall League. Yes. Well, I'm going to start by doing my tourism board pitch, telling fans, I say this every year, Yes. if you love baseball and you love prospects, there's no reason not to go to the Arizona Fall League because it's like all of the best things about spring training without the parking, without the expensive tickets, without the difficulty of getting tickets, without the long lines. You could walk up to the to the window, buy a ticket right before the game, sit wherever you want. I don't know how much fans will be able to interact with players this year. You know, it was different last year, the first year after the pandemic. But in the past, pre-pandemic, you used to be able to interact with the players a lot. You get to see a lot of great players. You get the run of the ballpark, especially this time of year where it's starting to get cold in a lot of parts of the country. You get the great Arizona weather, and it's a great Arizona weather, meaning 60 to 80 degrees and not 107 degrees or up. Um, I cannot endorse Arizona Fall League enough. Yes, all of that. Let's talk about the Fall League. Let's talk to the highest-ranked prospect that's headed to the Arizona Fall League. That's Jordan Walker. We're going to talk to him just a little bit, and then we're going to break down each of the teams, tell you a couple players from each team that we're very excited to see. And then we have a question from the mailbag, which also pertains to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, So this is the... 30th anniversary of the Arizona Fall League, uh, and it will also be, uh, Jim pointed out before we came on, the 30th season as well. Usually the anniversary is uh, one year more than uh, – the number of seasons is one year more than the anniversary because we missed the 2020 season due to the pandemic. This is also the 30th season. 
How many seasons uh, have each of you covered the Arizona Fall League? Do you, can you remember your first year? <clears throat> I don't remember my first year. Um, I think I've been to, I'm going to guess, probably a dozen of them. I, I didn't go a ton when I was at Baseball America. I, I was usually working on the um, <laughs> prospect handbook chained to my desk, so I did not go to a ton of Arizona Fall Leagues when I was at BA. I don't know if I went my first fall. Um, cause I, you know, I honestly, I didn't really know much about it. Um, but I, I might've gone for a little bit. So that was 1999. Um, definitely by 2000, I was, uh, I was going, I gone every year since. I, I will say, I want to throw this out real quick, just cause I'm a team player. If we resuscitate Hawaii winter baseball, which existed, I think for five years, <laughs> I volunteered You're to in. go to Hawaii to, uh, cover oh, that man. as well. Um, I tried so hard to, to 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 do that. Never never made it out there in the couple of years that that was in existence. Yeah, we need to. We do need to bring that back. You're right. Because I think it was around for five years. I think before MLB.com even existed. Yeah. And then it came back in 2006, and it was around for like three years and 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 not since. Yep, that that sounds about right. They used to have the winter meetings in Hawaii every year. Just saying. Well, we need to bring that back as well. San Diego is not bad. No. All right. So this year's Arizona Fall League contingent, as always, is chock full of top prospects. Um, This year, there are 16 of the top 100 prospects in baseball that are headed out there. Um, The top two will be on the same team, which is pretty fun. Jordan Walker and Jordan Lawler. Uh, will both be on the Salt River squad. The 16, the total of 16 is about what we're used to. Uh, last year, there were 16. In 2019, there were 20. Um, 2018, there were 18. Had a couple down years in, in 2015 and 2017 when there were only 9 and 11, but in, sandwiched in between there, 21. And then going back before that, 20, 25, 21, 19. So this is right on par. And just to give you an idea of some of the players that have been there and, the, and you know, the players that you can expect this year's crew to turn out to be like, look back 2011, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, Garrett Cole. Uh, 2012, the top prospects out there, Nick Castellanos, Kristen Yelich, Javier Baez. 2013, Byron Buxton, number one overall prospect in baseball was out there. In 2014, Buxton, Corey Seager, Josh Bell, um, you know, and, and on and on it goes. Every year, the very best prospects, many of the very best prospects are out there. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2018 was the number one overall prospect in baseball when he went. This year we have number six, Jordan Walker, number 13, Jordan Lawler, number 18, Noel V. Marte, number 20, Henry Davis, Number 23, Robert Hassel, third. So three, uh, four top 20 prospects overall, uh, six in the top 25 overall. As always, guys, uh, a really nice bunch. And generally, you can explain this, but generally a little light on elite pitching prospects. We have a couple of top 100 pitching prospects in Quinn Priester and Tink Hentz. But generally, this is a hitter's league. Yeah, I mean, and that goes back to 
you know, you're not too much, you're not too worried really about, oh, giving a hitter too many at bats, but, you know, organizations watch the pitching innings totals very carefully. Um, you know, especially in the wake of the pandemic, losing a whole season of pitching. You know, generally, if a guy gets 100, 120 innings in, they aren't going to send him to the fall league. And even if he missed time, it has to be something that's not a serious arm injury. You know, maybe the guy had, you know, hamstring injury or a mild bout of tendonitis earlier in the year. But, you know, you kind of have to really thread the needle to get your pitching prospect there. And, you know, I mean, what's interesting too, I don't even have the exact number anymore, but like in 30 years, the AFL sent you know, more than 3,000 players to the big leagues. So, I mean, I, I'd, you know, if you're watching games in the fall league this fall, like, you know, between two teams, you're probably, you know, on, on any particular day watching, you know, 15 future big leaguers are, are going to be on the field. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You know, and I think, isn't the number like roughly – 60% of everybody who plays in the Fall League gets to the big leagues, which is crazy. I think it's you know a testament to the job that the Fall League does and help putting those finishing touches and also the job the organizations do in, in sort of pinpointing the players who they feel are, are you know getting closer to being ready. And we spend a lot of time on our end focusing on the top prospects, and that's great. But it's also a place where players can go and, you know, make – make their case to be added to a 40 man roster, uh, you know, or be potential picks in the rule five draft. Uh, but that presumably will be, will be back. Um, you know, so it's not just the elite level guys that, you know, you ticked off, uh, there, uh, but also, you know, I'm always impressed when you see some guys who come out of the bullpen and we didn't know anything about, they're not top 30 prospects, but they come out and they throw really well. And then suddenly bam, next year they're, pitching meaningful innings out of a big league bullpen. Uh, and that happens every single year. Uh, so it's, a, it's a, a nice job of finding the top prospect, especially the offensive ones. And sometimes they come and they don't perform all that well. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything. They, they still learn you know, a lot and helps provide that springboard uh, for you know, often what happens as early as opening day the next year. Yeah, uh, Jim, you mentioned nearly 60% of all AFL players – making a major league roster. Uh, I, I haven't seen the updated number for 2021, um, but back in 2019, uh, the All-Star game in Cleveland featured 43 Arizona Fall League alums. So, yeah, and I know, I think I wrote the preview story going into last year, so it, we haven't updated this. But going into last year, 321 different fall leaguers had been all-stars, 21 MVPs, six Cy Young Award winners, and 32 rookies of the year. So, I mean, you you will see, like I said at the beginning, you will see a lot of very good players. And, a lot, and you know, as Jonathan noted, a lot of times the guys make an immediate impact. I remember, I think it was 2018, you know, Pete Alonso led the minor leagues in home runs, led the fall league in home runs. I think he hit a home run off, what was it, 103, 104 mile an hour fastball from Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. And then, bam, the next year he hit 53 homers as a rookie. We saw Acuna star, Ronald Acuna star in the fall league before making an impact. We saw Cody Bellinger, you know, hit, what was it, 40-something as a rookie right after being in the fall league. I mean, you see a lot of really, really good players there. And then, they, as Jonathan pointed out, it, it's not like, oh, this guy's two or three years away. Like, the next year those guys are, are having an immediate impact. Yeah, it's it's fun, especially to see – these younger guys who are on their way up like Acuna was in 2017, 
um, the year before that, like Gleyber Torres was in 2016. Um, but, you know, looking back at, at some of the names of MVPs in the league, uh, the Joe Black MVP award winners in 2019, Royce Lewis, 2018, Keston Hira, 2017, Ronald Acuna, 2016, Gleyber Torres. You got Chris Bryant in 2013, Nolan Arenado in 2011. You know, some really big names. And then you get the guys who uh, come to the fall league and just perform well and, and maybe weren't big prospects at the time, didn't go on to big big league careers. Uh, you know, your, your uh, Grant Desmies of the world, <laughs> who I, I believe retired, was it the very next year? Um, yep. Yeah, after having just a huge season in the minors. Uh, Sam Fold was an Arizona Fall League MVP. Chip Cannon. Sam Fold's still the only one to win, I believe, to win MVP and uh, Stenson. The Darnell Stenson. Sportsmanship Award. That's right. The same year. That's right. But you you got to cite Ken Harvey, who who won the first MVP award, I believe, in 2002 and still holds a record by hitting 479 uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Speaking of some of the young guys in the league. Let's talk about some of the very youngest players in the league. Uh, the youngest is D-backs infielder Davison De Los Santos, uh, who was born June 21st, 2003. Um, won't turn 20 until June of next year. Jose Salas, uh, infield prospect with the Marlins, also born in 2003. Uh, other 2003 Birth year mates Jackson Merrill, shortstop prospect of the Padres, and Jason Dominguez, who's almost in every context uh, the youngest something or another, it seems. Uh, but now getting a little long in the tooth. He's only fourth youngest in the fall league. <laughs> February 7th, 2003, his birthday. And then Joe Mack, uh, recent draft 2021 second round pick by the Marlins, the Fifth youngest player in the league. You guys, uh, any anyone in particular here that, uh, not to steal the thunder of our later later segment where we're gonna you're gonna pick a player from each team that you're most excited to see, but any of these guys in particular that uh, you're intrigued by? Dula Santos really intrigues me. Devison Dula Santos with Dimebacks. I mean, we'll have an interview with Jordan Walker in a little bit, and I think Jordan Walker might have as much raw power as anybody in the minors. But one of the guys who can challenge him for that. Is Davison De Los Santos, who hit 22 home runs this year as a 19 year old. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing his power. And like as we talked about, it's an offensive league, so we we could really see you know some guys crush the ball. We, we saw last year Nelson Velasquez and a bunch of other guys. I'm looking forward to watching Jordan Walker, Davison De Los Santos. On the other end of the spectrum, Matt Mervis might be one of the older players in the fall league um, for the Cubs, who's who's chasing the minor league home run lead. He's going to be there too. I, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of home runs this fall. I think you know what's exciting about some of these young players. Uh, you know, we talk about guys springboarding to to the big leagues. Some of them will use this to get them ready. You know, for Double A. Some of them have already been in Double A. Um, you know, so as young as this list, it you know is. You know, you have guys like Jordan Walker, Jordan Lawler, uh, you know, who have played considerable time uh, in 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 Double A. Even Jason Dominguez got promoted to Double A for for the very end of the season. So uh, these aren't you know, oh, let's challenge an A ball player and see what happens. These are guys who are you know close to or already at the upper levels and are, are already on a fast track. And this could 
help them, you know, continue on that very, very quick path to the big leagues. Speaking of watching guys mash the ball in the fall league, uh, we'll have to uh, revive our total bases, our Arizona fall league total bases fantasy league this year. It was a lot of fun last year. We each drafted six players um, and then just tallied up their total bases. We were allowed to substitute players when a player was either injured or uh, removed from a fall league roster. Some of the names involved last year, Riley Green, Nolan Gorman, Brett Beatty, Bryson Stott, Juan Yepes, Lars Newtbar, C.J. Abrams, J.J. Bleday. You, you may recognize all of these names from playing in the big leagues this year, Spencer Torkelson, Tristan Casas. So, yeah, as you guys have both, I think, mentioned, guys having an immediate impact in the big leagues after uh, after being in the fall league. So uh, we'll definitely have to uh, revive that and get Sam Dykstra involved this year as well. Someone I'm positive will be on one of those teams and someone who is one of the younger players in the league and someone who is the highest ranked prospect headed to the fall league. Jordan Walker is going to join us and talk a little bit about his season and the upcoming Arizona Fall League season. We'll talk to Jordan right after this on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, and now our special guest, Jordan Walker, who uh, we're talking all Arizona Fall League on the podcast today. And Jordan, thank you very much for joining us. You will be headed out to the desert very soon. Uh, you excited to get there? Absolutely, man. Uh, ever since I heard that I was going, you know, just emotions were high. I heard Mason was coming with me, so that was pretty cool, too. So, uh, yeah, very excited to get out there, man. Yeah, you guys have a nice crew going out to Arizona, don't you? Oh, absolutely. All all of my friends from, uh, like, we were close together in spring training. We didn't, I didn't think all these people would be, like, going to the fall league. I didn't even know I was going to the fall league, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that group of guys is a really talented group of guys. So, you know, it's really special out there. Jordan, you already mentioned Mason Wynn. It's not surprising right. that you would bring him up th this quickly into the interview okay. because, you know, everything I've read that you guys are really, really <laughs> tight. 
Uh, I know you were right. you were excited when you found out you were going to the Futures game together. Now you're this step. Oh, yeah. oh, just yeah. talk a little bit about you know, not only you know, forming a bond with someone like that, but just this process is hard. You know, it's a it's a grind. Like mm-hmm. having someone mm-hmm. who's kind of going through it with you at the at the same right. time. How, how beneficial right. has that been for both of you? It's been huge, man. Um, us being around the same age, um, getting drafted the same year. I knew about him like before, you know, he was that he was that Uber prospect out of high school. Um, I didn't I wasn't as close with him, but when we got to the Cardinals organization, we just clicked and you know, having him along with the ride for me is you know, it's been huge. Having someone to talk to, you know, he he's feeling what I'm feeling. We we have the same opinions on things like that. Having someone to, you know, tell like about how you're feeling or what you see at the plate, you know, bounced off of a, a good teammate who, you know, around your age, it's, it's pretty nice to have, you know what I mean? And I'm lucky to have that as at this point in my career. So, you know, it's been really special with him along the ride with me. Hey, Jordan, uh, I want to ask you about Tink Hens, who's another yeah. member of that oh, draft yeah. class who's head Absolutely. to the fall league and maybe not quite as famous as you and, and Mason, cause he hasn't been in the futures game yet, but uh, talk about like, the kind, I mean, for a guy who's not, you know, the most physical guy in the world, right. he's got a huge arm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, you guys, if you see him in the fall, you guys, I feel like you guys will be very impressed. I, every time Tink pitches, I'm very impressed. Um, really good fastball, really good off speed. You know, he's just he's just that dude. And I feel like, you know, in all honesty, that uh, I, we're going to see him move up, you know, the um, like double A, the, the system pretty quickly with how good he is. Um, and I don't think it's talked about it enough, to be honest. But, he, yeah, he's a really, really good arm. Right. Got it. <laughs> right. I've played with some of them. The only – I only haven't played with one of them. But uh, I think everybody else I've played with at some point. Um, and I think it's, it's a really good group of guys. Um can't tell all the secrets, but from what I've seen, I, I think it's a really, you know, a really good group out there, and each and every one of them have, has deserved it. So, um, yeah, I think you're going to see something special from the other Cardinals prospects out there in Arizona. Now, Jordan, I know you don't, you know, it's not a lot of time between the end of, of the AA season and yeah. going. I don't know if you, you get to have a little time to kind of reflect. Obviously, a really, really yeah. good year. You started out the year as, I think, the youngest position player, maybe the youngest player at all in the Texas League. What what was that experience like? Just in terms of getting getting used to that level, they they say that jump you know is is the hardest one. And and you know what are some of the things that maybe you you realized during your time there? Like okay, if I can just you know, work on this a little bit more, especially in the fall league, then maybe maybe St. Louis comes calling at some point next year. I mean, it was it was definitely tough. I have to say that um, these pitchers are really good, man. Lula just played Tulsa. And I think each and every one of their bullpen arms was 95 plus. Like, you don't, you just, I mean, uh, you didn't see that in high A or single A. Um, and I think getting acclimated to that velo along with um, the consistency they throw with, you know, their off speed. There's a dude in Tulsa who threw, he was like, I think he was 95, 97, but he threw almost 40% sliders. So being able to, you know, just because he throws hard doesn't mean he's going to throw his fastball and, you know, thinking about the different types of pitches they have and when they're going to throw it is what I really needed to work on when I first got a double A. Because, I mean, high A and single A, they had good pitchers, but the, you know, the pitch counts and um, not the pitch counts, but the, the pitches they threw were a little bit more predictable. And like, this is a fastball situation. They're going to throw a fastball or a breaking ball situation. It's 0-2. They're going to probably go breaking ball. 
But in the Texas League, they threw whatever and in whatever count. And I feel like that's like the biggest adjustment for me and learning that. And I had my older teammates, um, Chase Pender, uh, Pedro, who's also going to the fall league. You know, they gave me advice and, and told me how to handle the situation. But it was definitely, you know, an adjustment for me. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing I need to work on, you know, once I got to double A. We are talking to Jordan Walker of the St. Louis Cardinals, who is the highest ranked prospect headed out to the Arizona Fall League. Uh, Jordan, could you have drawn up this season any better than it went for you? I mean, you know, looking at your overall numbers, they are fantastic for, especially as Jonathan mentioned, the youngest player in the league to start the year. But one thing that really strikes me is just the consistency. Uh, starting out in April, 817 OPS, May 996, June 871, July 907, August 912, September 835. I mean, you put up good numbers right from the start and every single month throughout the season. Um, you know, honestly, I think my approach was not like everybody was telling me home runs, home runs, home runs, which, you know, I feel like as I grow up, they will come. Um, like uh, that's what my teammates have been telling me. People, I, I've, I've heard that, you know, home runs will make you money. Um, and, and in my opinion, I feel as if, you know, as, as long as I'm hitting the ball hard and finding a gap, I feel like, you know, as long as I'm driving in runs, the home runs will come and I won't be swinging for the fences and, you know, things like that. I feel like as if I stay simple at the plate is when I, I finally, the most success, stay simple and stay relaxed. So I've been, you know, telling myself to, to do that and, and hopefully it will work out and, I find, you know, I can get into a consistent rhythm at the plate if I do that. So that's basically my mindset. Nothing crazy. Um, and, and, you know, that's just really how I approach the season. And, you know, I'm, you know, definitely blessed to have a season like this I'm, I'm really confident about. You, you say when you grow up, you're listed at 6'5". <laughs> how, how much are you planning on growing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess to get older, I think I should have phrased it. When I, when I get older, you know. Emotional <laughs> maturity, Jason, please. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Seems yeah. like you got that too. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, Jordan. One of the things that, that changed a little bit for you down the stretch, and you spent most of your first you know year and a half as a pro at third base. Obviously, the Cardinals have a pretty good third oh, baseman, Nolan Arenado, who absolutely. might not be going anywhere right. uh, for a while. Right. And so, in the last six weeks, you played primarily outfield. I believe you're on the Salt River Rafters right. roster as an outfielder. How has that transition gone? Have they told you you're going to be playing primarily outfield? Have they told you what the plan is for next year, position-wise? Honestly, um, so I think the plan is for me to play outfield, but I'm not completely sure. Um, wherever they, usually wherever they tell me to go, I, I go. I'm trying to get into the that big league lineup, so I'm trying to do whatever I can. I know that third base spot is pretty locked down right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, wherever I, I was actually, you know, I, I like outfield. You know, to be honest, I, I do. It's fun. Um, get to show off the arm a little bit, you know, um, that that's fun. Um, and then I'm right next to Antico, who's also going to the Fall League, um, one of my good buddies on the team. So it's, it's fun out there in the outfield. I do enjoy playing outfield. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure what the plan is, but I'm along for the ride. And wherever they need me, I'm pretty much willing to go, so – yeah, I did take a peek at your assist total since you went to the outfield. So clearly, you like showing off the arm. Do you you, you throw a guy out? Do you uh, do you nod at your buddy Mason Wynn, who everyone knows about oh, yeah. his oh, arm, yeah. right? I mean, he he hypes me up. You know what I'm saying? And every time when I get back in the dugout, he, he tells me how he probably would have gotten in quicker with his arm. We always have competitions like that, and I know he he might have the better arm. I'm not going to admit it to him, um, but yeah, it's 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 fun little conversations like that, you know. 
I was going to say too, just for our listeners right. uh, who aren't looking at their computer, I just looked at my computer. As Jonathan mentioned, your assist total: ten assists and thirty outfield starts. That's a that's a pretty nice pace there. They're gonna they're that. gonna yeah. stop running on you pretty soon. I have to think. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, what are the differences for you? Obviously, it's you know I think some people think when you move from the dirt to the outfield, uh, you know, there's fear you're going to like lose focus, or I don't think that's an issue for you. But was was there an adjustment just knowing that? There are times where nothing happens for for a little while out there. Uh, yeah, there is an adjustment, um, and I I can't even lie. Sometimes I've, I got caught, you know, maybe a pre-step late. Um, you know, just I mean, our, sometimes our pitchers work quicker than I would imagine, and you you do lose track of time out there. But you, I, as I've played more outfield, I've gotten more and more locked in towards it. You know, and I think it's just an adjustment. Um, getting used to the outfield is definitely going to be an adjustment for me. Reads, I feel like, is the biggest adjustment for me. Um, but you know, I'm not, I wasn't used to being that far away from, from home plate. So, um, as of right now, I feel like the adjustments being made and, you know, there's always still some things to work on, but yeah, it was definitely different out there. That was your question. Right. I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I'm not, <laughs> yeah, so I think my dad has the videos. It, it hit it somewhere in the parking lot. Um, so, yeah, he can tell you the story better than I can. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he has a video if you, if you wanted to see it. Uh, it's somewhere, in the, yeah, the ball got lost somewhere in the parking lot in the, uh, on the T-ball field. But, yeah, um, I don't think I really – I definitely had – I was definitely a fan of uh, Chipper Jones, uh, Jason Hayward um, growing up. Um, but I just don't think I really like idolized. I want definitely wanted to be like some like be a big leader like them, strong, hit for power. Um, but like when it comes to you know the way I do things in the baseball field, I don't think it really uh, correlates with any of them. You know, it, you, Jason's asking about guys. You, I was, I'm, I'm like, it's funny because Jim and I are famous for hating comps to major league players. But right. <laughs> I wanted to ask you if, if there's anybody that you see some of yourself in. Um, I, you know, I, I you know I see a, a big, strong right-handed hitter who's moved from third to the outfield. I, I think of Chris Bryant a little bit. I know if he's a guy that you right. watch to sort of. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. I've heard that comp. Okay, good. Because sure. yeah, it's rare I put them out there. So, but anybody else that you watch, even even maybe it's not even like the same kind of player, but boy, I really like their approach. Like I know this year you worked on on uh, hitting the ball with authority the other way? Are there guys that you like to watch how they do that, and that's helped you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big, avid baseball fan, but when I, when I watch MLB baseball, I'm not really thinking anything towards my game. Um, but I, some of my teammates, uh, one teammate in particular, said that my side view swing is similar to Austin Riley's, but that's pretty much the only comp that I've heard um, this whole season. Um, but, yeah, when I, I just like observing baseball games. I really don't, you know, kind of – just look at my, oh, I can do that as a part of my game. I, I try to keep mine as, as simple as possible. If the ball's away, drive it the other way. If it's in, just react. So, um, yeah, pretty much that that much. Jordan, I always like to ask players, uh, who's the best pitcher you faced so far in pro ball? Does anybody stand out? And are you looking forward to facing anybody in particular in the fall league? Did you face Kumar Rocker at all when you were both Georgia amateurs? I did not. I did not. But uh, I did hear that he was going to the fall league, so that would be a pretty cool matchup. That would be definitely a pretty cool matchup. Man, there's a lot of pitchers um, that I thought, think were, were really tough. 
um, name a few of them. There's uh, from the Arkansas Travelers. There's this uh, Prelander Barola, um, Bobby Miller, obviously. Um, there's another dude from the Travelers, Ty Dollar. His, his command was really good. Um, I mean, the Travelers, Tulsa pitching staff, those are two of the best pitching staffs. I mean, I, they had a lot of good pitchers that I just think were some of the best pitchers I've ever seen. So I can name a bunch of them off those staffs, and uh, they're probably my, my, the best I've seen. So. Hey, uh, Jordan, I have to ask. Uh, I'm from St. Louis. I saw that right. your mom went to Wash U. Yeah, she did. Yes, sir. Was there any was there any built in uh, Cardinal fandom uh, in your family? Like when you got drafted by the Cardinals, was there some <laughs> additional excitement there? <laughs> the, the baseball fan is on my dad's side. My mom's not. It wasn't a big baseball fan, so her going to watch me didn't, didn't mean as much as it does now. So yeah, I I, I read a story that uh, your dad has to kind of watch your games on the iPad on the download during dinner. Yeah. I can't bring it up, and the volume's got to be down. Is that still the case? Right. right. I think so. I'm not sure. Um, but he he always knows what happens in the game, so that's probably what happens. Maybe when you get to the big leagues, the volume can come up. <laughs> All right, well, Jordan Walker, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you out in the fall league, and uh, congratulations on a great year. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Okay, All take right, care, Jordan. All right, bye. Jordan Walker, we were going to take a break, and we'll come back resume the MLB Pipeline podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and thanks very much to St. Louis Cardinals third base slash outfield prospect Jordan Walker for joining us on the show today. Uh, just talked to Jordan Walker. Now let's talk about well, let's talk about Jordan Walker in a little bit, and also some other guys that we're excited to see in the fall league. We're going to go team by team. Uh, if you're not familiar with the teams in the Arizona Fall League, there are six. They are comprised of five uh, players from five major league organizations each. Um, they rotate from year to year with, uh, as to which teams major league organizations uh, make up those teams. They're in Glendale, Peoria, Salt River, Surprise, Scottsdale, and Mesa. Let's start with Glendale, uh, which is made up of teams of uh, players from the White Sox, Twins, Brewers, Dodgers, Reds. Um, and Glendale, uh, let's see, Glendale has this year three top 100 prospects on their roster. Uh, looks like, are you, you guys both going to talk about top 100 prospect here? Jonathan, who, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Noel V. Marte, um, now of the Reds. Of course, he came from the Mariners in the Luis Castillo trade, and he kind of had... 
an up and down season. Um, another super young guy. Uh, but even though he had an up and down season, uh, he still finished just a homer shy of a 2020 year, uh, just to show the kind of tools that he has, uh, finished strongly, uh, you know, in Dayton, he was in, in high a, uh, for, for the entirety of the year and hit very, very well down the, the stretch. Uh, clearly was kind of working on his approach to power numbers over the last like month. This is not good, but he hit close to 350. Uh, and uh, I think he drew more walks than strikeouts during that span. Um, yes. And uh, so, you know, the power has always been, been there. And it's interesting to see if he's making huge steps forward in terms of his, his hit tool. Uh, and then the biggest question is, can he play shortstop? A lot of people think he'll move and, you know, the, the Reds obviously have uh, a lot of talent up the middle. Uh, Matt McLean will be in the fall league with him. Uh, we talked to Ellie De La Cruz last week on the podcast. Uh, all three of them obviously will not end up playing shortstop, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I'd be curious to see even if Marte gets some 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 reps at third base in, in the fall league, and that's the beginning of seeing what that looks like. He's athletic enough to play center field also, but I'm mostly excited to see what the bat looks like. Yeah, speaking of bats who are intriguing, I, I, I'm really intrigued by Andy Pahays uh, on that same roster with the Glendale Desert, Desert Dogs, Dodgers outfielder. He's on the top 100 prospects list. And, you know, he kind of fits that classic right field profile. It's big time raw power. It's well above average arm strength. It might be a 70 arm on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. He's put up numbers everywhere he's been in the minors. Batting average down to 236 this year. There is some swing and miss, but he did hit 26 home runs as a 21-year-old in double-A. Um, you know, really interesting set of tools. Like I said, kind of that classic right field profile. And interestingly, there's another Dodgers outfield prospect who's like a level behind him in the same system. Uh, that'd be Jose Ramos, who's also on the Glendale roster, who's got very, very similar tools. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to watch both of those guys. All right. So that's uh, your Glendale Desert Dogs. Uh, now let's talk about your Peoria Javelinas. This squad has a couple of top 100 prospects on it. And uh, Peoria is made up of players from Cleveland, Washington, Seattle, San Diego, and the New York Mets. Jonathan, which Javelina are you looking forward to watching? There, there are some some good choices here. And, you know, a lot of guys from uh... – you know, from this particular uh, draft class, you know, from 2020, uh, the first rounders starting to reach the upper upper levels. But Robert Hassel III uh, is a guy I remember seeing. I guess it was would have been Jim, what the PDP league in 19 was it the yeah. 19, right, right, the summer before, and uh, was really impressed with the hit tool then. I'm still impressed with uh, with the hit tool now. He did not hit. Post trade, uh, when he you know in, in the uh, Juan Soto deal, going from the Padres to the Nationals, um, and even though he did get moved up to to Double A, so this is a chance for him to extend the season a little bit, um, you know, get a few more reps. Uh, I, I think he's going to hit. The question will be how much power is he going to have? He's always been a hit over power guy, and this year it's been you know uh, you know he's hit eleven hit eleven homers. And had 25 doubles, you know, in 513 plate appearances. So good, not great. 
I think if he's going to profile well in, you know, in a corner spot, then uh, eventually then power have to come. But he has played a lot of center field, and I know a lot of people think that he can stick there. So I'm curious to see what that looks like. Because when I saw him back then, he seemed more of a, you know, a, of a corner outfield, assuming he was going to grow into some more power and slow down a little bit. But uh, maybe he's got a slightly different profile now. You know, I, I was going to say, I, I'm going with another Padre because I keep associating Robert Hassel with the Padres. Um, and I know he's with the Nationals now in the Juan Soto trade, but fellow former Padres first round pick, I guess is the way I, I need to put this. You know, Jackson Merrill's super interesting to me. You know, he was a guy, Jonathan, he was in your neck of the draft. You do, you have Maryland in kind of the Northeast. He was a late helium guy in 2021, went at the end of the first round. Padres saved some money, which allowed them to get James Wood in the second round. And he was a revelation this year. He also went to the Nationals in that in that uh, Juan Soto trade. But but Merrill came out this year. He, he profiles as a, as a middle infielder who can hit for average, hit for power. He did exactly that. He hit 339 this year, 906 ops. Only played 55 games because he missed time with a wrist injury. So the following is going to give him a chance to make up some at-bats. But I, I really think this is a guy who a year from now could shoot up the top 100 prospects list if he continues to perform like he did this year. And, and you know, as we mentioned before, third youngest player in the fall league uh, won't turn 20 until next April. All right. So the number one prospect for each of those two organizations. Uh, let's move on to the Salt River Rafters, who uh, we mentioned previously uh, this team has the two highest ranked prospects headed out to the desert in the Jordans, uh, Walker and Lawler. Uh, also has a AFL leading five top 100 prospects overall. Uh, there have not been more top 100 prospects on an Arizona Fall League team since back in 2016 when Glendale had seven. Uh, which included Cody Bellinger, Alex Verdugo, Zach Collins, Harrison Bader, David Paulino, Francis Martes. Uh, but this this uh, this team seems to be pretty stacked. As if we needed a reason to go to Salt River Fields. Um, you know, we were, we were telling Jordan Walker bef- before we officially talked to him how much he's going to enjoy playing there. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned Jordan Lawler, uh, number six pick in last year's draft. Uh, he's on that youngest player list and comes in at number nine overall. I think what's amazing is, you know, we thought he might go at the very top of the draft. He quote unquote slid to, to six. Uh, the Diamondbacks were thrilled and taking the best available player. And then he, then he got hurt uh, and it was a shoulder injury and everyone was a little worried. Because uh, he, you know, he didn't play really during his debut, and then all he did was come out and hit his way across three levels to finish in in Double A. He's way, way ahead of the curve now. And overall for the year, you know, sixteen homers, thirty nine steals, uh, an ops over nine hundred. That's a really, really strong first full season for a guy who uh, missed his debut summer. Uh, you know this. My guess is he goes to the fall league. He could start back in double A, even if not set the world on fire in double A. But if he learns some things here and then is, it looks like he, he's taken another step forward in spring training, he could go to triple A to start the year. I mean, there's, there's no rush because he is 
so incredibly young. You know, he won't turn 21 until next July. Uh, so even if they started him back in double A, but this is a chance for him to get some, some, some more reps in his home facility. Um, and, uh, both on both sides of the ball, uh, when he's already, like I said, to me, kind of way ahead, I think of where anyone thought even an advanced high schooler would be in his first full year of pro ball. And I think you could say the same thing about Jordan Walker. I mean, I'll, I'll make the obvious pick here. There's a lot of good options on Salt River. You know, Walker, who we just talked to, highest ranked prospect in the league at number six. And, you know, as, as a bigger guy, you know, he's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I think people thought, like, like you knew the power was there. I, I think scouts thought he might have, might take a little while to adapt pro pitching. You know, he's got a naturally long swing. And that hasn't been the case. He handled double A very easily this year. Um, and, you know, so one, I, I mean, I think he's one of your contenders to lead the league in homer. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I, I mentioned earlier, I think he's got as much raw power as anybody probably in minor league baseball. So it'll be fun watching him just destroy Arizona Fall League pitching. And then two, as we talked about in the interview, you know, he played mostly third base for his whole career up until the last six weeks of this season. And obviously as he gets close to the big leagues and he's knocking on the door, I think we'll see him at some point, maybe by, by middle of next year, maybe he gets a little triple A time first, but Nolan Arenado, you know, has third base locked down in St. Louis. And you know, I, I don't know his opt out status that, you know, I guess he can opt out, but, but whatever. I mean, he looks like he's the third baseman long-term. So Walker started playing the outfield toward the end of the season you know, as we know, in the interview, 10, 10 assists in 30 games. So the arm certainly plays in right field. And uh, I, I'll be curious to watch how he looks in the outfield because in his case, I, I think the defense is just as important. I mean, he's only played about you know 30 games in the outfield. This gives him a chance to play another 20 or so in the outfield. And if he's going to, say, be part of that big league outfield next season, you know, getting that experience will be a key. So I, I'm looking forward to him offensively, but also defensively. The other top 100 prospects on the Salt River squad include the number 24 overall prospect, Zach Veen, uh, the Rockies, uh, and then a couple guys that uh, Jordan gave us scouting reports on. Uh, his fellow Cardinal mates, Mason Wynn, who's number 54, and Tank Hens, who is number 95. All right, moving on to Surprise, and this is a team that has three Top 100 prospects on it, uh, including a former number one overall draft pick. Yeah, all three top 100 guys from the same organization. Um, I guess I'll be a, a homer here. Uh, but I think anytime you get a chance to see the number one overall pick from the previous year's draft, uh, you're going to welcome that opportunity. And that's Henry Davis. When I went out to Altoona for our, our pipeline game of the month, he was hurt. Um, so I didn't get a chance to see him play. And that's a big reason why he's headed out to the fall. He played in 59 games. Because Jonathan didn't get to see him play. That's right. I said, I need to see him play. Um, he only played in 59 games all year, absolutely raked in Greensboro, um, and got pushed up to double A. I think everyone hits in, in Greensboro and, you know, struggled in Altoona, but also had no sense of continuity, you know, a regular playing time. Uh, you know, wrist injuries. He got hit 20 times um, in 59 games. That's a lot of hit by pitches. Um, I think it's something that probably will need to be addressed. Um, but the power is there. Uh, and then the biggest questions, you know, so, some of the times guys that we're excited to see, like I want to see him swing the bat, sure. But I also want to talk to people and see what the catching looks like. Because the biggest question 
right? The only question about Henry Davis is, well, can he, will he stick behind the plate? And I think this will be a really good opportunity for him to continue to work, um, you know, to, to work with upper level pitchers. Uh, and I, you know, talked to a lot of guys over there, even just catching bullpens in the fall league have helped guys sort of take a step forward. I don't think he's ever going to be a gold glove winner, but can he get to the point where he, you know, is solid enough and be an offensive minded guy in Pittsburgh in, in the near future? I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Kumar Rocker, who's going to have one of the best arms in the league. I think, yeah, I guess we're going to talk about 12 players here. I think he's the only pitcher we're going to bring up, Jonathan. But, uh, you know, we've gone over his saga so many times on this podcast. You know, number 10 overall pick in last year's draft after starring for three years at Vanderbilt. Fails the physical with the Mets. They don't sign him. He has shoulder surgery. He resurfaces in independent ball this year, shows off his arm in short stints, and then winds up shocking everyone, I think, by going third overall in the draft, which enabled the Rangers to use their second pick, which wasn't in the fourth until the fourth round on Brock Porter, who's the top high school pitcher in the draft. And I mean, Rocker showed, you know, in his short stints in independent ball, you know, he hit 99 with the fastball. He showed the wipeout slider. You know, I think there were, it was it was funny because we and we discussed this on the podcast too. There was a lot of talk like, oh, maybe somebody could draft Kumar and immediately put him in the bullpen, which seemed to me to be like a, a, a crazy talk for a guy who's never relieved. And he's coming off shoulder surgery, rushed back from that, and you're in you know the thought that somebody might draft him and try to get him in the big league bullpen by this point to help down the stretch. And I, I really like the way the Rangers have handled this. They 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 haven't had him pitch. He hasn't officially made his pro debut yet. They just kind of, you know, let him, you know, continue to work his way back from the shoulder surgery without having to pitch in games. They're going to get him a little acclimated to pro ball here and get him going next year. Um, I don't think we're necessarily. I mean, it's the fall leagues. So we're not going to see him go six, seven innings to start. You know, I'll be curious to see what he looks like over a full season next year. But it'll be good to see Kumar Rocker on the mound, and he will have one of the best arms in the fall league. All right, Nick Nick Gonzalez and Quinn Priester, the other two top 100 prospects on the mm-hmm. surprise roster. Uh, Scottsdale is the only team without a top 100 prospect, uh, but there are certainly some interesting names on this roster, including a couple of former uh, top 100 prospects and may- maybe some future top 100 prospects as well. As well, who are you guys looking forward to seeing here? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, uh, another thing that's excited exciting about uh about going to the fall league is to see you know a guy who maybe was a top 100 guy but had a had a rough season uh and then can go out and kind of reclaim his status or jump back on the radar however you want to put it uh and for me nick york is that guy uh i mean he's kind of been intriguing for for since he was surprisingly drafted in the first round uh, by the the Red Sox in, in 2020 is from my area in California. You know, he didn't play defensively his senior year of high school um, because of a shoulder injury, kind of only DH'd. So it was a little surprised to see him go that high. And then he goes out in his first full year and just absolutely rakes across two levels uh, of a ball, uh, finishes with an OPS of 928 and lands on our top 100. Goes back to high A Greenville this year and really struggles. Uh, you know, struggles with injuries, struggles with consistency, ends up with a 668 OPS. Um, but, you know, I think what need, people need to remember, and we've, you know, we've got some questions about him in, in particular, 
uh, you know, he, he's also on that list of younger players. He's only 20. He'll be 21 right around, you know, opening day next year. Uh, so there is plenty of time. Uh, and then he won't be the first prospect to struggle for a year and then figure things out. And, you know, this could be a really good opportunity for him to see, uh, you know, consistent velocity, uh, you know, pitchers with slightly different approaches, things of that. And even if the pitching is not as good, uh, it, it's tends to be at a higher level. And that could get him ready to make the step to double A, even though this year was a bit of a struggle for him. And, you know, he, he is the kind of guy who, not just from a fall league performance, but he could kind of right the ship and then hit the ground running next year and certainly could land back on the top 100 if he starts swinging the bat the way he did last year. Yeah, I, I bet we see him back on the top 100 next year, Jonathan. I, I just think he had the the toe and the wrist injuries earlier in the year, and he never he got off to a bad start and dug himself a hole, and it you know just never kind of got right. So I'll be curious to see how how good the swing looks because we'd heard such great things about it coming into the year. And you're talking about another guy who's who's had some some health issues, but more serious, Heston Kerstad. So, you know, a little bit of a surprise, number two overall pick in 2020, top 10 type prospect in that in that pandemic draft. But the Orioles took him at two to save money to spend on other guys. And then he, he just couldn't get on the field. He had lingering effects from myocarditis, which is a, a viral inflammation of the heart that kind of came up after the draft. And he didn't make his pro debut until this June, like two years after they drafted him. He, you know, the power that we'd seen in the past that, that made him a, such an attractive pick was still there. Um, that that's his signature tool. He's also got a solid arm. He's kind of another classic right field profile. And he really tore up low A for three weeks this year. He had four, 463. Um, and then, you know, that average was basically cut in half when he got to high A strikeouts rose some, you know, as he got, you know, had to adapt to high A pitching. So this will be the best pitching that he's seen on a consistent basis, even if pitching isn't the AFL strong suit, but it, but it's, I think getting him more experience to make up for a lot of lost time and help prepare him for the transition to double A because you know, you look at all the good things that have happened with the Orioles this year and how deep their system is. If they get Heston Kerstad healthy and back to where he was when they drafted him. I mean, that's another middle of the order bat that could be really exciting in Baltimore in, in you know, not, not in the not too distant future is what I'm trying to say. The, uh, Organizations that make up the Scottsdale squad, Boston and Baltimore, obviously, as well as the Giants and the Angels and the Braves. And uh, moving on to look at the Mesa roster, this team has three top 100 prospects. It is made up of players from Tampa Bay, Miami, Oakland, uh, Chicago Cubs, and the New York Yankees. Uh, Jonathan, give us a guy to watch. Yeah, I, I'm really kind of excited and intrigued to see all of the A's contingent. You know, they, they're sending a bunch of previously injured pitchers. Um, that's not who I'm going to focus on, but they, they have one of the more intriguing groups, even if it's not as high profile as as some, uh, just because if those guys perform, then the A's farm system could take a, a really big step forward. But the guy that I'm, I want to focus on is, is Zach Geloff, um, you know, the University of Virginia product, uh, who they took in the second round of last year's draft. And he came out of the gate this year uh, looking like an incredibly good player. I was getting, we'll say, gentle pressure from those within the A's organization saying, like, you need to look at this guy as a top 100 guy. They were telling me this last year. And then he came out and kind of proved it, uh, you know, hit 329 in April, 301 in May. Then he tore the labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, so he missed a bunch of time and never really got back on track. 
you know, although he had a bunch of homers in August when he, when he did come back. So, uh, you know, he's played third base is his natural position. He can play there. They've had him playing second. He's more athletic than I think, you know, any of the reports that I had coming out of, uh, out of college, uh, they see him as one of the fastest players in the organization. So I'm kind of excited to see what that athleticism looks like, um, where he's going to play defensively. And on the down low, I'm sort of keeping an eye out uh, because for me, he's a prime candidate to play for Team Israel in next spring's World Baseball Classic. Is it really on the down low if you just told our entire podcast listenership that you're keeping That's an correct. They, they can keep a secret. Okay. So I think you're underestimating the many thousands of people who listen to our podcast. But, uh, We're overestimating them. <laughs> yeah. uh, there you go but uh anyway uh I, i'm gonna go with jason dominguez we we saw him hit a home run at the futures game which is cool i'm looking forward to getting to see some more of him yeah i, I wonder how many times we've mentioned jason dominguez on the podcast in the last three years but you know the most Don't do the comp jim Don't i'm not do doing the comp but the, the most hyped most hyped international prospect probably of all time and you know it, it's funny because on one hand yeah you know, i feel like he, he was so hyped that it would almost be impossible to live up to expectations, you know, and he hasn't come out and hit 400 with, you know, 40 homers and 40 steals in the season. But at the same time, for a 19-year-old, he got to double A this year, you know, played most of his season in, in single A and high A. He hit 273, he hit 16 home runs, he stole 37 bases, he drew 72 walks. I mean, he's a physical specimen. I think that the 5'10", 190 he's listed at is uh, a little bit conservative. I, I think he's he's – bigger than that um still has a chance for plus tools across the board switch hitter he's got skills and instincts to go with the tools uh so he he's one of the more exciting guys i think in the entire fall league and i'm looking forward to getting a chance to see him for more than just a couple at bats in in the futures game yeah and he uh well he was considerably better uh as he moved up the ladder from tampa to hudson valley uh Florida State League, obviously, always a, a bit of a pitcher's league, but uh, it slashed 306, 397, 510 for a 907 OPS at Hudson Valley. It's scuffled in the early going, but just a handful of games played at Double A Somerset. But yeah, Jim, I, I agree with you that the expectations were so high. And then last year, I think people, you know, the general consensus was that the star had faded a bit, but it was so early and he was so young. And then, you know, this year, uh, like you said, uh, pretty impressive season uh, for age and level and three levels. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's an exciting team to watch uh, in Mesa. They also have um, Brennan Davis, uh, Phoenix native, uh, Cubs prospect, who uh, missed most of the year with a back problem. He's uh, the other, the third top 100 prospect on that Mesa squad. So. Uh, that's a breakdown of the six Arizona Fall League teams. The season starts. Did we even mention when the season starts on October 3rd? Don't know if we mentioned that. Um, runs through November 12th. A uh, couple games will be on MLB Network. You can watch the Fall Stars game and the championship game. Those will be the final two weekends of the season. So uh, be sure to tune into those uh, a couple months down the line. You know, it's also cool, Jason. Let me, I was going to interject real quick. It won't be televised. But again, another reason to go to Arizona with all these sluggers out there, they're going to have the, the first ever That's AFL right. home run derby the day before the Fall Stars game. So that'll be pretty cool, too. Exactly. All right. All Fall League 
for this episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast, including our mailbag question, which comes from Luca slash Jack Lighter Stan. Uh, FFL Luca on Twitter asks, could a strong AFL performance from Kumar Rocker put him in consideration as a top 100 prospect? I mean, I think the short answer is, in, I mean, in consideration, yes. I think he already kind of is in consideration. From a talent perspective, it, you know, this is a guy who was at the top of many, you know, many draft boards a year ago and uh, went in the, you know, top of the first round, uh, understanding the circumstances. You know, we need to see if he can be healthy. I don't think the fall league alone would, I'm going to speak for myself here, but I don't think a strong fall league performance alone would put him in the top 100. But it certainly would help build the case. And if he uh, sort of comes out and throws well and, and is healthy next year, then he would be a, a sort of an easy addition, um, you know, sort of with the caveat that somehow we managed to go through this entire podcast without talking about small sample sizes, which is amazing. Um, but, you know, with the folly, we always will tell people that you, you don't want to put too much stock into it one way or the other. A strong fall league does not, um, you know, a strong fall league does not necessarily lend itself to future success or a huge jump in the rankings uh, or stardom. Uh, And there have been plenty of guys who have come and been, you know, not good in the fall league uh, and have gone on to be all stars, right? So it's not, it's too short amount of time. It's too hitter friendly. Uh, There are too many sort of, caveats there that lend itself to not wanting to go too bonkers uh but i do think that if he pitches well uh, that will sort of help sort of maybe lead the way to him being an addition in the future yeah no, i think all that's very fair i i would not i mean as you noted john i mean let's say he goes out and pitches 20 innings and tears it up I still don't think I'd put him on the top 100 necessarily going to see the next season. My biggest question with Kuma Rocker, and I do our Rangers list, and so I have him eighth on a, on a very deep Rangers list, is before I fully buy into him as a top 100, probably top 100 talent, no question. Top 100 health, that remains to be seen. He had shoulder surgery last September. It was not as benign as – ESPN, I think, had the initial report and made it sound like like he was there for two minutes and they tapped him on the shoulder and all's good. Like they, 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 there was some, you know, it was arthroscopic, but it wasn't just, you know, mild shoulder surgery and you're brand new and, and good forever. I know, you know, from talking to teams before the draft, there's concern about his elbow, there's concern about his shoulder. To me, the biggest question is, is Kakuma Rocker, instead of flashing stuff for a couple innings in an independent league, and some, you know, for a handful of times, can he maintain quality stuff six innings at a time over a full season? Um, you know, I, you know, I hope he can. I mean, you always root for guys to be healthy and, and you know get back to what he was when he was fully healthy at Vanderbilt. But I think, at least in my mind, there's enough of a question. I want to see that next spring for a couple months before I buy in fully that he's a top 100 prospect. So as, as you said, Jonathan, I think it can bolster his case. And I think he already is under consideration. I don't think it will put him over the top, at least not for me going into next year. 
one of the many, many things to watch at the Arizona Fall League, which again gets underway uh, just a couple weeks from now on October 3rd. Uh, thanks to Lighter Stan for that question, and special thanks to Jordan Walker for joining us on the episode today. That's going to do it for this week's MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.